coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are... Mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well... <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like... Mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. Welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week and the events of our often bizarre lives and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of honesty and rationality in the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And uh, Leah, uh, we usually like to start the program off with a, a couple notes on the world of sports over a weekend that usually means college football this time of year yes it does baby but and roll tide but roll tide but <laughs> but you have to mention to start things off on this particular sunday the incredible development that's happened in baseball where the chicago cubs and the cleveland indians are going to be playing in the world series now i grew up as a massive baseball fan uh, my attention span is now far too short, as is yeah, most Americans I, I in baseball. I was never into baseball. But, but, I just can't do it. But, Leah, from a historical standpoint, you cannot. Right. You can, You have to appreciate this, okay? There is nobody living that anyone's aware of who ever saw the Chicago Cubs the last time they won a World Series, which was 1908, all right? The uh, Indians haven't won one since, I think, 1948. So we're talking about uh, two historically – uh, pathetic uh, franchises who have had very long droughts, and it is it's going to be fascinating to see it. And of course, I always look at things from the political perspective. There's always a different angle than most people are looking at things from. Of course, uh, John Ziegler, I, I think he's fantastic. What a what a interesting what a mind he has. Okay, well, I'm going to what a I'm gonna, what a what a <laughs> I'm going to prove what an interesting mind I have by giving you a take on the on the World Series that no one else will have. The first is that uh, you remember the name Steve Bartman. Uh, Steve, no, Steve Bartman was the uh, the Chicago Cubs fan who became infamous in 2003 when he got blamed for costing the Cubs their last great oh, chance to get to yes. the World Series. I've seen a 30 for 30 on him. Right? Yeah. Okay. okay. And, right. And ruined he, his life. Well, he's disappeared since then. He was. He was a guy who was well-known because he was wearing a Cubs hat and the radio headphones and the glasses, and he appeared right. to be alone, and he went for the foul ball. And Anyway, long story short, if there, you know, I have been as anti-Trump as anybody in conservative talk radio, but you know, Donald Trump likes to say that he's a great deal-maker. 
right? We've heard this okay. many, many times. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic. Yeah. I'm being completely serious. If Donald Trump can convince, you know, figure out a way to bro- broker a deal where Steve Bartman throws out the first pitch <laughs> for game three of the World Series at Wrigley Field, I promise to vote for Donald Trump. Okay? If he can pull that off, I will vote for him because I think Steve Bartman got as hosed as any human being has he ever did. gotten hosed. Abs- I mean, it and, ruined his life, boy. And, and what an amazing emotional catharsis it would be. It'll never happen. Uh, even Trump couldn't make this deal come off because— I, I uh, heard word about Charlie Sheen. Well, no, he was supposed to—a lot of fans wanted him to do it for game one in Cleveland because uh, he played a Cleveland Indians pitcher in the movie Major League. That's right. They, they had that's several right. very bad sequels to that too but that's not going to happen I, don't, I couldn't care less about Charlie Sheen give me some Steve Bartman in game three and I'll have tears yeah, that would really be great I would that have would tears rolling down my cheeks and I don't cry for anything um, but so that'll be interesting to see the other element that, uh, perspective on this you won't hear anywhere else which is far more serious and may uh, actually be impactful you know Hillary Clinton once before she became senator from New York and suddenly became a huge New York Yankees fan and pretended that she was always a New York Yankees fan, which she wasn't. What difference at this point does it make? Uh, She grew up as a Cubs fan. Now, if she is stupid enough to get Cubs fever, which she might, you know, not be able to control herself. It is uh, sweeping the nation, you know. Right, it is. epidemic. So having grown up as a Cubs fan, if she gets Cubs fever... That could end up costing her Ohio because you got a, you know, a bunch of Cleveland Indian fans that are not going to be you know, feeling pr- too good about this. And there's a precedent for this. I doubt you remember it, but we discussed this on our KFI radio show in Los Angeles in 2004. Eerily similar situation. You won't remember it, but I'll just remind you. <laughs> you don't know that I won't remember it. <laughs> uh, Trust me, you're not going to remember this. <laughs> but, but I said... I block out trauma, you know. <laughs> I was root. I was rooting. I was rooting for a Red Sox-Cardinals World Series that year, not because I gave a damn about the Red Sox or the Cardinals, but because I knew John Kerry would be stupid enough to jump all over the Red Sox bandwagon and it would cost him Missouri. And that, that, well, that's exactly what ended up happening. That Missouri was neck and neck right until the World Series, and John Kerry was all over the Red Sox. And sure enough, Bush blew him out in Missouri, and that might end up being the difference in the 2004 election. I can't prove that there's a, a, a causational relationship there, but, but you want to believe it. I did predict it, and it happened. So, you know, <laughs> right there, there's at least a shot that there was a causational relationship. But um, but we might see the same thing because, you know, Hillary is neck and neck right now with uh, Trump and Ohio. Not that I think if she loses Ohio, that means Trump will win the presidency, but it's something interesting to keep an eye on. We'll know h- how, how comfortable she is with her lead if she starts wearing a Cubs hat. If she starts wearing a Cubs hat, then we pretty much know she thinks this thing is in the bank. Um, Now, as far as the football is concerned, of course, I've told you since the beginning that you have nothing to worry about as an Alabama fan. But a couple of interesting things have occurred uh, this weekend that have set up uh, what I think is the nightmare scenario that I have been warning about with this new college football playoff system for years, and you mocked me about this last year, as a matter of fact. But, uh, you know, obviously where you live in Alabama, the biggest thing that happens all year long is the Iron Bowl, yes. a- Alabama-Auburn. And we'll, we'll, we now have a situation 
where with Alabama clearly number one and likely to win out until the Auburn game, although they still have to play LSU, we still we now have a situation where if Auburn were to lose, let's say at Ole Miss, and even though Auburn's playing great now, we now have a situation where Alabama, in that situation, if Auburn loses another game, that Iron Bowl will actually have the bizarre set of circumstances where Alabama would be better off tanking the game and losing. I mean, it doesn't matter if they win or lose. Just don't get anybody hurt because it will be irrelevant because they will go to the SEC championship game anyway because they'll have a two-game lead, effectively. And all they got to do to get to the playoffs is win the SEC championship game. Similarly, in the Big Ten, Ohio State lost to Penn State, which means yeah. which <laughs> means that the Michigan-Ohio State game could still end up being very critical. But if Ohio State loses another game, let's say to Nebraska, and they're undefeated, then the same exact circumstance is going to happen in the Michigan-Ohio State game. And what, what bugs me about this, and there are a lot of ifs, a lot of things have to happen, but they're all possible. You could have the two greatest rivalries in the sport, Alabama-Auburn and Michigan-Ohio State, both with teams that are heading towards the playoffs, maybe with you know four teams potentially under certain circumstances, and one team may have an incentive to tank the game. And that, to me, is the inherent flaw in the playoff system where you have teams that are so good, like Alabama and Michigan, where they're they're up by two games in their own division. It's the last game of the year. They can lose and still go to the title game, and the title game is all that matters. Well, listen. You think Nick Saban is going to tank the game just because it means nothing? Huh. That's yeah. never happening. Uh, I understand. I get. I get the uh, Iron Bowl thing. I get Alabama Auburn as well as anybody that doesn't live there. I understand it. I'm just saying, keep an eye on this. If if Auburn loses a game between now and the end of the year, Saban's going to pull his starters uh, in the uh, in the Auburn game, and that's and, and by, by the way, I that's wouldn't fine. blame him for that. Uh, it's just a shame. It's a shame that the essence of what made college football great, these fantastic historic rivalries, are now threatened by an effed-up system that could theoretically not – it doesn't take a bizarre set of circumstances for this to occur where you have teams have a disincentive to play their best players because the next week they got to play in the FCC or the Big Ten championship game, which is far more important to right. the ultimate uh, – to, uh, conclusion of the season and making the playoffs. So we're deep. We're deep. Well, you, well, well, you're sounding awfully confident this weekend on your on your Crimson Tide. Usually, you're Listen, a little bit, a little less confident than this. But. I know, but this team is unbelievable. Well, they're very good, and we've said that since week one. And uh, you know, it may not matter who they play, uh, but I, Auburn's playing a lot better now. So anyway, they just, are just they're something, doing good. just something to keep an eye on. A lot of ifs and buts, but. Uh, you know, as I as Glenn Beck said, I my my brain works differently for better. <laughs> interesting. Or worse. All right, very uh, interesting. When we come back, we'll get to the uh, the political, more direct political news of the week, including the big debate and the state of the presidential race, all that and more. Coming up next on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. 
And Leah, you probably more than uh, almost anybody else have uh, felt just how difficult this election season has been. I know you're begging for it to end. Yes. You know, I, I think a lot of people have had their nerves frayed, and I didn't realize just how deep this phenomenon goes. My uh, wife and my four-year-old daughter and I went on a very quick little trip to celebrate my wife's birthday this weekend. And, you know, Grace has been on this show before. And, you know, listen carefully to just how calm Grace, who was four years old at the time when she last was on the John and Leah show, listen to how calm she was talking about, for instance, Donald Trump. Is Trump a bad guy or a good guy? Which is a really good question. Bad guy or good guy? We've been trying to figure this out for a year on the show. And then when she talked about Hillary during the same appearance, you know, she's concerned about Hillary because... She wants to steal all my stuff. Even her Chuck E. Cheese coins. So That's right. Know, so that's that was the old Grace. Well, while we had this little hotel stay, and Grace gets a bit hyped up when she's in a hotel. She loves hotels. For some reason, it doesn't matter how dingy the hotel is. She just loves it. And uh, last night before she went to bed, she started going off on a a rant that even I thought was a little bit too intense about the election. Uh, and I'm not making this up. This was not provoked. She started screaming at the top of her lungs, pointing her finger, waving, wagging in a way that I can't even play the full rant for you because if I did, the Secret Service would probably come to my house. Child Be- Protection Service. No, 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 no Secret <laughs> Service because she actually threatens the lives of both presidential candidates. Oh, good uh, gosh. And then, and then at the end of the rant, this is Grace says this about Trump and Hillary. Trump and Hillary, no! <laughs> <laughs> so that pretty much sums up yeah. the whole election right there, I thought. Trump and Hillary, no! <laughs> but, but, you, but you notice the heightened intensity, right? Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, my gosh, I don't know how you got that thing to bed. <laughs> well... I, I think it's just a matter of how long this damn campaign is going on and that the nerves are frayed and even Grace can't take it anymore. All right. Now, uh, that being said, there's still a lot of news to talk about, including the big debate, uh, the third debate that occurred this week. And I, I before we get into the specifics of the debate, and, and we're going to do something like we've done in the past, which is instead of playing actual clips in the debate, we're going to hopefully play clips from Saturday Night Live's version right. of the debate. But before we get into that, I think it's important to point out That, you know, during the primaries, we were promised, we were promised by Donald Trump. We -hmm. were promised by Sean Hannity. We were promised by Rush Limbaugh. We were promised by many other supposed conservative commentators. And we were promised by lots and lots of Trumpsters. Especially on Twitter. Especially on Twitter. And I believe me, I've muted all of them. (laughs) We we were promised by all those people that Trump was going to crush her in these debates. Remember? He's going to wipe the floor with her. Wait till the debates. We were going to we were promised that at the end of the third debate that Chris Wallace was going to have to help Hillary up from the fetal position (laughs) as the drool came down the side of her mouth and her hair was all mussed up and she was just babbling because she had lost all of her faculties. That's the image that was provided to us by all of these people who said, wait until we get a fighter. 
Yeah. Wait until we get somebody who can punch back and won't just take it like those wimps, McCain and Romney. You know, mm-hmm. those wimps who actually had some class and some substance and, and may have been a little bit wimpy in the debate. We can, we got to get rid of all that. We're going to cash in all the class, all the substance, all the qualifications just for balls. Because we want somebody who's going to fight in those debates because we know, we know if we get a fighter in that debate, she's going to go down. And she's going to go down hard, and it's going to be ugly, and we're going to win big. That's what we were promised. So how'd that turn out? Yeah, um, I ended up watching the debate with a bunch of other GOP members from here locally, and we were screaming at the television. He missed opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. It was so frustrating. I agree with that. No, he, <sighs> he he absolutely did. She was only decent. She, I thought, blew a lot, a lot of stuff as well, but not where nowhere near as much as he did. And, of course, he said some things that allowed the media to go ape crap uh, for the next several days and not you know, necessarily undeserving. Focus so. on the debate. Right, exactly. All right, we'll get to all the details of this when we come back on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Taking our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016 and specifically the third and final presidential debate. And just to recap what we were talking about at the end of the last segment, Leah, while we were promised that Trump would crush Hillary in these debates, I consistently and very early on in this process said that that was hogwash. Well, I mean, anybody who could objectively look at the way he took on the GOP candidates, uh, it was nothing but insults. It wasn't information. Anyone who could objectively look come to that conclusion. So wait a minute. So you're saying that I wasn't blinded or invested in my hatred of Donald Trump so much that I couldn't see objectively about what would transpire in these debates as opposed to the Trump fans who were, in fact, invested emotionally and blinded by their love for him. Is that what you're saying? I have no idea what you're talking about. But all you <laughs> have to do— I'm talking about the fact that you have, you have in the past— Go back to, the, go back to Rubio, right. who wiped the floor with him over Cuba. Right. No real information. I got He's it. got a lot of bluster. But, but, well, Leah, what, just for the record, I'm <laughs> half seriously— Half tongue in cheek, <sighs> referencing the fact that you have in the past have referred to me as both invested and blinded. Yet, weirdly, all my predictions keep coming true about no, you're you're blinded to anything that Hillary Clinton does no, no. No, and no, don't really address it. No, but you will somehow pivot like no. they did on SNL no, to true. take on Trump. My, my my eyes are as wide open on this thing as could possibly be, which is why my predictions keep coming true and why they will continue to keep coming true and why it is that... Well, I mean, you know, guess you, what? You know I what? said he's not going to do well in okay. the debates, too. I mean, okay. it's right. not that big of a leap if you saw what he did with the GOP. Right, and presidential debates one-on-one are vastly different than GOP debates with 
nine other people on the stage. And with a woman. Well, right. I mean, if you want to call Hillary a woman, (laughs) I don't know if she necessarily qualifies, but I guess marginally so. But anyway, the reality is, and, and Trump fans and Trump himself will try to claim this isn't the truth, he lost all three debates. He lost them, and by the and what what I mean by lose them, is that the purpose of a presidential debate, since it's not being scored, like you know a, a high school or college debate, the purpose is to make more people want to vote for you than you make want to not vote for you. That's the way you score these things. And by every single scientific poll, Trump lost badly in the first one and lost marginally in the second and the third one. And when you're already behind to begin with, that is a losing combination. All right, now, to save time and to have fun, we're mostly, although not exclusively, going to review this debate through the eyes of Saturday Night Live, which last night, of course, as they have been doing, they uh, parodied the debate, although these debates have been difficult to parody because they're so... They in, are in, a parody in and of themselves. Exactly. Uh, but Alec Baldwin playing Trump and Kate McKinnon playing Hillary Clinton were joined by Tom Hanks, uh, <laughs> who was hosting Saturday Night Live last night. He played the role of Chris Wallace. And uh, here was Chris Wallace, or Tom Hanks, kind of sort of trying to get uh, Hillary Clinton pinned down on some of the revelations in her her and her her operatives emails that have been coming out recently here's what that sounded like plus a whole lot more secretary clinton now i'd like to ask you about an ongoing issue for your campaign wikileaks has been releasing your campaign emails many of which raise some serious questions uh, thank you uh, for bringing up my emails chris and i'm i'm very happy to clarify what was in some of them i'm sorry what carol but I'm, I'm sorry, I thought I heard my friend Carol. Anyway, back to your question about the way that Donald treats women. And that is how you pivot. So you're just never going to answer a question about your email. No, but it was uh, very cute to watch you try. Now, Mr. Trump, in the last week, 11 women accuse you of sexually assaulting them. Do you still deny each of those claims? Chris, of course I do. I'm completely innocent. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Settle down, settle down, entire planet. (laughs) Now, now actually, I thought during the debate that Trump got off easy on the sexual abuse accusers. He accused, I think, laughably the Hillary Clinton campaign of being behind all of them, for which there is no evidence of that. But Hillary didn't try to negate that at all. She basically ignored Trump making that charge, which I thought was a mistake. And, you know, Trump, even though I don't think most people believe him, was allowed to deny them all, call them all liars, basically, without uh, using that word in the debate. And then, of course, he uses his address in Gettysburg this weekend. To, oh, my God. I mean, this was really bad. Oh, my God. He, he, he uses his address in Gettysburg, of all places, to 
claim, I think laughably, that he is going to sue all oh. of his accusers after the election. Right. Now, now, first of all, Gettysburg is not really the place to do that. To, to do that. Now, number right. number two, why are you continuing the story? I mean, you, you. It's just like what somebody just shut him <laughs> up. Right. And by the way, after the first debate, or even during the primary, okay. Had I been his campaign manager or his whatever, uh, I would have pulled him aside and said, Donald, there's a line that I never want you to say again. And it goes like this. No one has more respect for women (laughs) than me. All right? You're never allowed to say that. I'm going to wire you with something and shut the crap out of you the next time you do it. It sounds ridiculous, and he says it every time. Well, it's funny that you put it that way, Leah, because you've hit on one of the many, many problems within the Trump campaign that was was inherent from the beginning. And I'm not talking about specifics. I'm talking about the fact that there is nobody who has the balls or the ability to do what you just said and take him by the collar and say, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Because if they do that... If I did, he'd try to kiss me. Well, he'd either kiss you or fire you. There'd only be two two options. Maybe maybe he'd do the first one, and if you didn't kiss him, then you'd be fired. That basically, that would be Trump's M.O. But there's nobody, not even Kellyanne Conway, clearly who's given up, his, his female campaign manager... Uh, who's now kind of mocking him on Twitter from time to time. Oh, boy. Uh, so, so the reality is that there is nobody like that. But back to this issue, just to finish off the issue of the accusers, for him to then use even a, a syllable in, a, in his address at Gettysburg to yeah. claim he's going to file lawsuits against these accusers after the election is not only laughable and stupid because it continues the issue going forward when it should be behind him by this point and baked into the cake. But here's the most ridiculous part about this. First of all, I don't believe for a second there will ever be a lawsuit filed against any of these accusers. No chance, no how, no way. He's lying. This is his M.O. But think about it. Think about if he's telling the truth, Leah. That's, it, it's probably worse if he's telling the truth because what he's telling America is elect me and get a president who will be spending a lot of time suing his accusers of sexual abuse. That, that's insane. <laughs> that, is, that is utterly insane. I mean, so you're going to wait. Well, I think he thinks that after the election, they all go away. You know, oh, because I mean, he's president. Because it's all manufactured. Because because no, because it's all manufactured. No, well, no, 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 no. He said he'll sue them. He said he will right. sue them. That means he will continue the story in- infinitely while president. While president? No, because he's not going to be. <laughs> okay, well, th- there's only two ways to interpret this. Either he knows he's going to lose, which, right. is, which is quite possible. It might be basically an admission he's going to lose. Or he's promising America, elect me and get a whole lot of lawsuits <laughs> right off the bat involving an issue no one wants to talk about. One other point. Well, I mean, look, that that to me, I'm not even concerned about that. I'm concerned about his plan for America, a hundred days, and he leads with that. Right. It's it's, like, oh my God. He he is a narcissist to the (laughs) nth degree. It's all about him and it's all about retribution. You know, um, it's amazing. 
Did you happen to see what happened this week with the guy who uh, owns Virgin Airlines or used to, Richard Branson? Boy, uh, he's a mess. Okay, but did you see what he said about Trump? I did not. He said he had lunch with Trump uh, and that he was so taken aback because all Trump talked about during the entire lunch was that there were five people in his life who he thought did not support him in his financial difficulties like he expected them or hoped them to do to do so, and that he has devoted his entire life to destroying those five people. Oh. Now, now, this is... this. That's is, NPD. This is, That's the definition. Right. This is not, as I've been saying time and time again, being mocked by people who are, you know, think I'm, I'm a Hillary supporter. This is a man uniquely unqualified to do the job of president of the United States. And well, so, and, and then, by the way, so just one other thing on the accusers, because Gloria Allred had another accuser come out this weekend. Oh, my gosh, because the first one didn't work out, so right. she had to dump her and find another body. Well, this one, <laughs> I mean, inherently, anybody represented by Gloria Allred is not credible. But this one is particularly hilarious because it's a porn star oh. who, who claims that Trump offered her $10,000 to sleep with her, and, um, you know, of course, inherently the fact that a porn star who's getting paid to have sex on tape, you kind of lose the moral high ground there. Right. Uh, when, even if the guy's married, uh, we all know he's a cat already. But my first thought was, wait a minute, Trump's response going to be, are you kidding? I would never offer that broad 10000 She's $5,000 best. And by the way, I wouldn't have actually paid her the five. I would have paid her three because she's a contractor, you know, and that's the way I work. I mean, these stories now, I think, have pretty much jumped the shark. And I think it is as baked into the cake as it's going to be. And, you know, I, I think we're probably going to hear the end of the accusers. But it doesn't matter because they've already done their job. Sixty some percent of the American people believe he's lying about this. And this is not the type of thing that you want to have to be talking about less than a month, much less than a month. Well, he before doesn't a presidential have election. to be talking about well, it. He, he just his, won't stop because his ego won't let him stop. Oh my All right. Gosh. When we come back more on our review of the presidential debate through the eyes of Saturday Night Live. When we come back on the John and Leah show. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com, reviewing the third and final presidential debate, which occurred this past Wednesday through the eyes of Saturday Night Live, which obviously was broadcast last night. Alec Baldwin, of course, playing the role of Donald Trump. And here he uh, talks about, as Trump, and also, by the way, as Alec Baldwin, as you'll hear in a second, he talks about uh, all the great celebrities that have supported him in this campaign. Chris, she can brag about her resume, but I'm the one who's got all the heavy hitters supporting me. I mean, I have got the cream of the crop. I've got Sarah Palin. I've got Chachi. And get this, I've even got the best Baldwin brother, Stephen Baldwin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they've got a little infighting going on. That's a house divided. Well, Stephen Baldwin had mocked his 
Donald Trump uh, impersonation. But that was pretty uh, to me. That was the funniest moment in the the entire sketch. But um, there was also a moment when Tom Hanks playing uh, Chris Wallace uh, effectively tells Donald Trump that he's likely to lose. And this brings up the whole the election is rigged. Will Trump concede if he loses issue? And here's what that sounded like. And now we have to turn to the big story of the week. Mr. Trump, it has become very clear that you're probably going to lose. Correct. (laughs) Now, when you do, will you accept the results of the election? I will look at it at the time because, frankly, this whole thing is rigged. Even the media, every day I turn on the news and all of the newscasters are making me look so bad. And how are we doing that? By taking all of the things I say and all of the things I do and putting them on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Which, unfortunately, I think is a fairly accurate representation of what's happening. And as someone who has fought most of my career against the very real and very insidious issue of liberal media bias. It has been infuriating to me to see Donald Trump be the person to claim it more loudly and maybe get more advantage from that issue than anybody else. First of all, he's not a conservative. And second of all, there have been very, very few things that the news media has reported about Donald Trump that, is, that are clearly false. And by the way, in those very few instances where that has happened, I have defended him. But they've been very few and far between because they haven't had to make anything up about Donald Trump like they did about Mitt Romney or John McCain or George W. Bush. All they have to do is tell the truth. And yet he's the one crying the loudest about the media bias issue. Now, as far as the issue of the rigged election, and I, Leah, let's, let's play the, the clip just to be completely fair and honest here. Let's play the actual clip from the real debate of, of where Wallace confronts Trump about whether he would be willing to concede a loss. Let's play that. Do you make the same commitment that you will absolutely accept the result of this election? I will look at it at the time. I'm not looking at anything now. I'll look at it at the time. What I've seen is so bad. First of all, the media is so dishonest and so corrupt and the pylon is so amazing and they've poisoned the minds of the voters. Sir, there is a tradition in this country, in fact, one of the prides of this country, is the peaceful transition of power. Are you saying you're not prepared now to commit to that principle? What I'm saying is that I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. <laughs> like, it's, like it's the finale of The Celebrity Apprentice. We're going go, to go to a commercial well, after break. after the break. <laughs> after the break, we'll tell you who I choose as the Celebrity Apprentice. You know, look, this answer to me, I don't blame him for saying this. And I think everybody's making the biggest deal out of this, and it means nothing because we're dealing here and we are seeing more and more and more every day just how corrupt the entire DNC is. So let's say we do get another situation like Florida. And maybe it has nothing to do with the DNC, but complete incompetence of the state. I mean, I I wouldn't either. Let's see what happens. We might have hanging chads, Uh, blah, blah, blah. Leah, hold on a second. But that's not what he said. I agree that it's silly to say you would concede an election like Florida. But I have been really ticked off by a lot of supposedly smart conservatives this week that have made 
the analogy between Trump saying he he won't concede before an election that doesn't look like it's going to be close and what Gore did after an election that was the most spectacularly, bizarrely close election in modern history, probably in in history based upon the way we currently run our elections. It's as close as it could possibly ever be. That was a unique set of circumstances. So it's a difference between, oh, okay, we've got, we're within 500 votes in the one state that will decide this thing and being almost a month out saying the election is rigged with no evidence that it's rigged. That can't be rigged the way we do our elections. It's impossible to rig an election and, and where it's not even looking like it's going to be close. Those are apples and oranges. Do you not well, see when that? When he said that, that was the first thing that came to my mind. So, you know, to me, this is a whole bunch of, if it really isn't that close, then he's going to concede. Uh, so, he hasn't said me, that. He's, it's really no big deal. Well, hold on. The word rigged is the big deal. The concession. Look, we've got, just in our little town here, not even not even Birmingham, but Brighton, which is right down the road, massive election fraud. I mean, if 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 you think it's not going on in this country, uh-huh. you're buying the liberal media. Yes. If we've got just a little teeny thing going on uh-huh. down the street and its absentee ballots are a huge, huge uh-huh. issue, uh-huh. what is going on nationally? Well, the, the problem with the rigged theory is it doesn't seem to understand how the system works and what the checks and balances to prevent massive voter fraud are. Of course, no system is perfect. You get uh, the millions and millions, hundreds of millions of votes cast in the election. There's going to be some error. That's obvious. It's inherent in the process. When we come back, I'll explain further about what I mean, and we'll continue our review on the John and Leah Show here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. 